All right, so there you go. You guys are watching the Vanasaur podcast. This is episode two. And here we get into, if you don't know this, Vanasaur is all about exploring Class B RVs, overlanding, and van life culture. That's right. That's what we get all up into here. I'm joined by my friend PJ of Mod Vans. Uh, welcome, PJ. You're you're live in California. Thank you. Yeah, I'm here in California. Uh, it's not quite a sunny day here. Uh, is um, this is what we call the June gloom? It's a little bit overcast, but it's nice mm-hmm. and cool. Um, mm-hmm. Probably like you know high 60s. And I'm sitting here in uh, our MH1 X demo van. Uh, I know yep. you're in your van as well. So. Yep. Uh, and and it it's actually a great place. The, the, I'm here at our factory, so it's super noisy inside, but it, mm-hmm. uh, it's nice and peaceful and quiet right here in the van. So it's a great place to do a podcast. Yes, it's, and and a couple of things I want to get out of the way for everyone who's joining us here. Uh, one, I am actually a very tiny infinitesimal owner of Mod Van. So oh, yeah. just full, thank you for full, your investment. <laughs> yeah, full disclosure. Um, you know, I, I met you guys a few years ago, and I really think that Mod Vans is on the cutting edge of this whole Class B van game. I know you guys obviously aren't the biggest and all that kind of stuff, but Not yet. I don't know. And this is this is me. Some people, you know, other people might have other opinions, but I really do think you guys are on the cutting edge of that. You're really designing and engineering things um, that I don't really see anywhere else. So... Thanks yeah, thank for, you. yes. Thanks for doing that. I'm just letting everyone know, you know, where where my motivations are, you know. And um, I actually came to see you guys out at the factory last year. Lola and I were out there, but you've moved. Yep, we moved to a new location. We're uh, ten minutes uh, closer to LA, for better and worse, <laughs> um, in a <laughs> town called Camarillo. So we were previously in Oxnard, now we're in Camarillo. It's about still sixty miles uh, west of LA. Okay, so it's closer to LA. A little bit, 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Okay, what was the reason for the move? What are the benefits you guys got out of that? Um, I mean, the biggest thing is we tripled our uh, manufacturing space. So we were in 8,400 square feet. Now we're in 22,500. We got 10 offices. We had two offices before. So just a, a much bigger facility. We uh, we were just you know uh, people were ready to quit because we were <laughs> we were too packed in you know uh, mm-hmm. too many people in two, two offices. Uh, it, the kind of joke was we need to hire we need to balance the bathrooms. So <laughs> we had to make yeah. the the female bathroom <laughs> unisex. That wasn't <laughs> Lori didn't oh, like that wow. plan. <laughs> so, uh, so now we have uh, enough bathrooms to to, mm-hmm. to handle handle the team and and we've been able to uh hire a lot more people so we're kind of getting back into growth mode where um, we had done a lot of r d in 2022 and kind of grown that facility to build as fast and as many as we could and we really had and maxed it out for quite a while so it was time to move okay cool let me just do a quick shout out to go small live large also a van youtuber van centric youtuber uh, shout out to him if you guys aren't following him you should follow him um, I'm gonna make some plans to actually go on his live that happens on Wednesdays but shout out to Scott out there and um, and travel dreamer says that they said Apple was small too back in the day <laughs> everybody has to start somewhere <laughs> so there you go uh, so you know that's that's the reason why you guys did it and the you know what are the what's the downsides are there any downsides to that you think to the move yeah uh, you know we did uh, originally we had talked about moving uh, into a nearby state to still be close to California to be outside some of the 
um, really the cost of living here. So we're still kind of faced with a high cost of living. Um, so yeah, there, there's trade-offs to everything. Uh, the, you know, the good side is that we didn't have to really stop production. We were able to really smoothly transition to this space. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I think you know, some people are kind of uh, sometimes interested in the details. So I, I, I mind giving them out the, the actual mm-hmm. space to, to lease here really isn't that much any more expensive really than a similar uh, industrial space in uh, let's say Nevada or Arizona, but, mm-hmm. um, but, the, but cost of living is, is higher here. Okay. All right. Uh, and let me also shout out to my friend, uh, shooting gallery. Who's out there. He says, uh, what's well, crackalacking. That's it. That's his comment. Uh, go small, live large says, thanks Hank would enjoy you being our guest on what's up Wednesday. So yes, we're going to make that happen. Do you want to start PJ by maybe explaining to folks out there showing people or, you know, just telling them about mod vans and what exactly you guys do. And if you want to here, I can actually pull up um, either your screen or my screen and show people some examples of what you make. Everyone just has to bear sure, with I, us. Sure, I think a, that simplicity is if you could share your screen, maybe pull up the Mod Vans homepage and just yeah, scroll down. I, and see them. Yeah, I will do that here. Let me see. I will, you know, first of all, what I need to do is actually take take some cameras off, and that's really the best way to do it here and, and put some cameras on. And let's see, I will change this, I think, to, let's go to my phone. So this is ModVans. If you want to, it's ModVans.com, right? And folks can go in there and take a look. Let me see, probably, we're probably going to get a better look at what's there if I go this way. So we can <laughs> go to the different, yeah, yeah. can we go to the different models that you yep, guys can. Have? Do, which one do you? Do you want to start with the MH1 or? Oh, it's okay. You can just show them and, and I'll kind of explain to people what we do while, while you're kind of just scrolling through it. Mm-hmm. So so ModVans is, is basically a brand new RV manufacturer. Um, mm-hmm. We specialize in class B RVs, but you know we consider them actually more multi-purpose vehicles with camping features. Um, we started with a, with a low roof, uh, a, a van, a class B RV built on a low roof van that had a pop-up top to give you you know, extra space while you had the, that low roof fan to give you standing space and space for two beds. And we really, you know, my original uh, use case was I wanted a vehicle for my family that I could drive every day. I didn't have a long commute for work. I didn't actually drive every day. And I didn't want to own a separate vehicle, se- a separate vehicle only for camping. So I built this crossover vehicle that, that had camping features, but also had enough co- safe and comfortable seats, uh, had two beds, uh, that mm-hmm. particular version had five seats total. Um, so okay. that's how Modvan started. And then, you know, fast forward five years, um, we've really uh, doubled down. We have uh, six models total offered in three different sizes. So we have still our low roof, which is very close to the original one that we did. Now we have a medium roof. We had a lot of requests from customers. These are all, you know, we, we've grown the business based on the feedback that we get from the market. We built a medium roof uh, model, and now now we have a high roof extended length model that is more of a true class BRV. That would be, you know, almost a dedicated. It depends on the person, but a lot of people would consider that to be a dedicated camping vehicle. Right. That um, would be the MH1, right? The big one. Yeah, that's the the initial image on on the home page, and what I'm sitting in for this podcast right now. Um, and you know, one of the things that we did was we kind of start off with that multi-purpose modular feature. So we're the only, uh, mm-hmm. you know, truly modular class B RV that you can take everything out. Like literally we have videos where we show it, everything behind me can come out and then you have a cargo van and then you can kind of add the components back in to get the thing you want. But the thing mm-hmm. that's different about mod vans is 
that includes all the normal RV systems. So we still have an air conditioner, we still have a heater, a furnace, you know, we still have microwave, kitchen sink, you know, water system, tanks, all that, but it's still modular. So you basically, you could actually take all the out and you can still almost use it as an RV, uh, even with all the systems out. So like I said, we have some videos on our website that kind of demonstrate that. So that was our original, you know, focus was really innovating in the RV space and coming out with these unique designs that for something that have never been done before. Literally, we have patents and patents pending on some of these design concepts. And then in the last couple of years, what we've done, we've matched that up with a really big push into technology. And just as an example, we have the biggest battery available in any RV that I know of. Um, it's over twice as big as anything else on the market. So, you know, people are like, oh, you know, um, these guys just came out with a with a 12 kilowatt or 13 kilowatt hour battery. And our big battery is 26 kilowatt hours. And we're looking at ways to make that bigger. Um, but at the same time, we're still really focused on, you know, how do we have that big battery? but still be super innovative and, and, and practical. So mm -hmm. normally to get a 26 kilowatt hour battery, you'd have these giant boxes in the back of your van and you wouldn't have any storage back there for your adventure gear. And what we did was said, no, that's unacceptable because part of the point of having an adventure van is to go on adventures and take the things that you want, uh, you know, your kayaks, your surfboards, your bicycles, uh, you know, on your adventure. So we mm -hmm. came up with this idea of a floor battery where the entire floor is a one inch uh, layer of battery. And that 26 kilowatt hour battery actually almost disappears. It takes practically no space inside the RV because it's built as a one inch layer of the floor. And then, you know, the last little piece is the super high technology. So we actually created custom circuit boards and we wrote our own software and we have an app that controls everything inside the vehicle. So your lights, your plumbing, your heating, it's all controlled with the ModVans app. And sure, there's other companies that have little pieces of that, but there's nobody who's built it in-house and offers it as just a one integrated solution, you know, one-stop shop where we built the battery, we built the app, it's all integrated together. All the power, all the battery power flows through those circuit boards that we designed. So it's a totally integrated system. Yeah. And um, just to answer a question from Go Small Live Large, he said, which chassis does van, uh, Mod Vans build on? What chassis so van? Yeah, so so Very I common. built the first one for myself, mm -hmm. and I did a survey of the market. This is I'm an engineer, so this is you know kind of my engineering background coming into play. Mm -hmm. I looked at the Sprinter, I looked at the ProMaster, I looked at the, even the Chevrolet, and I decided that the Ford Transit was the best uh, available van at any price. Price not a factor. The Ford mm -hmm. Transit was the best, and so I started with uh, I, I built a van for my family. Uh, mm -hmm. on the Ford Transit and Mod Vans right now only builds on the Ford Transit because we still see it as the best van. We have, when, During the supply chain, we asked ourselves some really hard questions about that because some other uh, vans were more readily available possibly on the market. And we just, you know, I, I kind of said, you know, I, revisiting this choice again, I want to mm -hmm. stick with the Transit because it's still, in my mm -hmm. opinion, the best van available. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. And by the way, I'm playing around with everything <laughs> while we're doing this. So ignore me. I'm always I can't I can't stop uh, messing, <laughs> messing around with things here while we're doing this, because this is like the first few episodes. So, you yeah, know, we're still I, yeah, we're <laughs> yeah, we're still figuring I'm still figuring everything out. But, you know, I agree with you to me personally of the three main options, because in America, basically is only three options for vans, right? That would be the Sprinter van from Mercedes, the Promaster van from Ram, and and then obviously Ford has the Transit. That's the options you have. To me, the Transit is just the best. I think because it has all-wheel drive, 
um, the the it's easier to to get maintenance for it and all that kind of stuff. Um, it's also bigger. I think the Promaster is pretty cool, but it doesn't have all-wheel drive. It doesn't come as big as Tell the me. as the as the Transit. But the Sprinter gets the biggest one. I just don't think the power and all that is there. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, we actually have some great videos. Um, you know, one of the mm -hmm. one of the things that kind of you know, people have this idea that the Sprinter is more capable off-road, you know, because mm -hmm. it came with 4x4 in the beginning. Even though, you know, the Transit, you can get a 4x4 aftermarket conversion. Then later, uh, Ford came out with an, uh, an all-wheel drive system from the factory, which they called all-wheel drive. Mm -hmm. And I think there's still the perception in the market that somehow the 4x4 Mercedes was more capable off-road than all-wheel drive. And I really actually didn't know because I hadn't mm -hmm. bought a Mercedes and taken it off road and I couldn't really, you know, tell you the plus and minus. But mm -hmm. two years ago, we did a, a great overlanding ride with a whole group of vendors and there mm -hmm. was two Mercedes Sprinters on that ride. And then there was two uh, of our vehicles that we took. We took a low and a high roof van. And on that ride, it became, I mean, apparent to everybody on that ride, you know, and, and I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna, um, I think we can do a, a little bit of a clip from that. Let me see if I can. Oh, you want to screen share? Yeah, yeah I'm going to screen share and see if I can um, get that ride in there. Yeah, let me Let's see if that. I can. Um, I will put that put that back on and then I'll switch this to your screen share. Yeah, here we go. So uh, I'm going to do this one and it should be showing. Man, I don't know if you guys can you see it, but yeah, yeah. there you go. Mm -hmm. So this 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 video in just a second, you're going to see some video of this footage of us going up this hill at 13,000 feet in Colorado. Yep, and here we go right here. And then mm -hmm. you know it's going to be hard to see in this little postage stamp, uh, you know. But you can uh, get a link to this uh, video later. But yeah. the sprinters couldn't make it; they had to be towed up the hill because they didn't have enough power. So this is actually the uh, one of the sprinters that had to be towed up the hill. Another one had you know problems with its rear differential. And both owners were just saying, yeah, we, we, we were really struggling on this ride. And in contrast, the transits were just, they drove perfectly. Um, you could just, you know, drive them the way that you needed to. And all, you know, debate about all wheel drive versus four by four went mm -hmm. away. So this is a, a picture of uh, our MH1 going up these, you know, rocky yeah. hills uh, up in high roof of Colorado. So at the end of this ride, the one of the things that came out of it was, you know, oh yeah, the transit's just way better. And this is also one of the reasons that we, you know, decided not to build a model on on the on the Sprinter. Yeah, and I think this ride, our personal, our personal experience on this ride. Yeah, I think that the um, what is the the transit is, I would say like almost twice. I think with the Sprinter, you were getting the old. Let's say we talk about the old Sprinter. I think it got as much as 188 horsepower, is as high as it would would go. Yes, yeah, it, it had way less horse. It's still, you know, the, mm -hmm. the Sprinter has way less horsepower and torque than the Transit. But also, I think the mm -hmm. earlier Sprinter 4x4 system wasn't as good for off-roading. It didn't have 50-50 torque distribution. So mm -hmm. it's putting a lot of the torque, you know, in one place, even mm -hmm. if the other wheels were slipping. And then the new all-wheel drive system, I think, is more comparable where it can do 50-50. But they were still doing a lot of fun stuff with the brakes to try to make mm -hmm. it act more like a 4x4 system instead of putting, you know, like limited yeah. slip that that you know ford basically they called it all-wheel drive but you could put it in mud and ruts mode and it became something that's very similar to the four by four mode that we had yeah. uh in the earlier versions of the transit yeah differential I think, transit case, uh, transfer case 
I th yeah, I think the power is a big difference. And I did do a video at Overland West that we were both at recently with um, Engelhalt Allrod. So yeah, that, that's those a, guys. <laughs> it's a German company, <laughs> but they make they make a yeah. real four by four out of the Sprinter yeah. van. You know, they really lift it, put on the big tires. There's actually a shifter to go into four by four mode and all that. But you still have the power, and there's not there wasn't that much. You know, I think well, they had a V6. I think now it's a four cylinder, right? They just went down in power yeah, to a four cylinder. I don't think they went down in power. I think the engine was powerful or yeah. whatever. Yeah. But yeah, they went down in cylinder count. <laughs> Yeah, and I drove it. We'll get off this subject here, but I drove the new all-wheel drive, the new Mercedes Sprinter, and when there's mm -hmm. nothing in it, actually, it's not bad. It's still yeah. not better <laughs> than the Transit. It's not bad. But when you put a lot of stuff in it, and if you guys want to know about yeah. that, we, uh, PJ is an expert on this, obviously, but when you put a lot of stuff in there, you're talking completely different driving characteristics. Yeah, and um, that's where that 400 foot pounds of torque yeah. in the transit really sh shows, shines, you know, it's just, yeah, yeah, no problem. Whatever Makes you put a big in the difference. transit, no problem. Yes. So we got a question that maybe we have to go back a little bit here. Travel Dreamer 46 says, do you have integrated temperature control for pets? So we do have an app that you can monitor it, but mm -hmm. it doesn't have like a specific pet mode yet. So one of the okay. cool things about this technology stack that we're delivering is we've delivered you know, mm -hmm. the X series is what we call with our big battery system and all computer controls. It's connected mm -hmm. to the internet, it's connected to the cloud. You can monitor and control your vehicle with the ModVans app, but we don't have pet mode yet, but that's something mm -hmm. we can add with a software update. So uh, so that's okay. where you know, we're kind of still an early company. We don't have all the really cool um, capabilities of Tesla, but we did build that into the stack and, and we mm -hmm. hope to offer it in the future. In the meantime, if you want pet mode, um, our third P, um, uh, apps with temperature monitoring that you can get and then you can use that in conjunction with our very big battery and 12 volt AC mm -hmm. to, to run your, your your AC so you would use this third party monitoring to make sure your pets is safe and then you would use the the, the Modvan's giant battery and AC to keep your pet cool yes and um, you know I think you already said this but there's videos out there Lola and I have done some videos we have even more videos to come out and we have a factory tour which is actually it's not obsolete but you know you move factories <laughs> i don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, so i gotta move fast to... to keep up with mod vans hank uh, yeah i know i know man um but you know we'll, we'll i'm still gonna put that factory tour video up because i think it's really good and there's lots of tech but to that point that people are asking because you do write the software and everything for this if you find that that's something a lot of people um want to have it's very easy for you to to just really write something to make that happen right? absolutely we have 26 temperature sensors spread throughout the van and then we have you know, big battery and it's all mm -hmm. connected to the internet so these are kind of the basic building blocks that we have and mm -hmm. it will be fun to combine them in different ways to to solve these um yeah. uh you know things that people want to do with their with their vehicles yeah and very quickly we've got less probably about a minute here but yeah, that the big battery that you have that takes up the floor, you know, um, and then also I think what is it? You have six hundred watts in the in the roof solar. Yeah, so the, the you know we'll we'll round it to six hundred. The roof okay. has six hundred, and then we have an additional four hundred watts that we can deploy as a portable pack that plugs into the side of the van. So we have a thousand watt solar charging available. Yeah, so you can actually replace some of what that big battery is losing. And I know you have two options because you got a thousand amp hour one and a, and a little over 2000 on that right correct yeah 
yeah, yeah. the the um, the thousand watt solar yeah even the 600 we notice it makes a significant difference so for example um you know that's really close the 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 unit that's on the roof the 600 is really close to what the ac takes to power so a lot of times during the day you may not even be using really practically using your battery power uh in order to run your ac because most of the power is coming from the solar system yeah, so there you go. So we're going to take a, a little break here and shout out the people who help us uh, make this happen. And then we're going to come right back. And if you guys have questions, feel free to ask those questions. So as you guys might have already heard, Lola and myself are brand ambassadors for Sunshine State RV. And as Vanasaurs, I want to take this moment to encourage anyone who is in the market for a Class B van to start their journey with SSRV. Sunshine State RVs specializes in selling Class B vans and B plus RVs. That is the reason why they are the number one dealer in all of the state of Florida. Number three in the whole United States. SSRV will fly you right to their location in Gainesville, Florida. They'll give you a very detailed and thorough walkthrough of your van, and they'll give you a two night stay at a local campground so you can get used to your van. If you don't like that, you can actually have hands-free delivery anywhere in the United States of your RV. We bought our Coachman Beyond from Sunshine State RV two years ago. And over the past two years, we've seen how they treat customers when it comes to warranty side. Their service team is great. Whether you bought it from them or not, every person that comes in there gets the same service and care when it comes to warranty repairs. The same service, attention, and care. And their team does a great job getting you back on the road safely. So if you guys are in the market for a B or B plus van, consider Sunshine State RV. We've got a link in the description that you guys can use to see their current inventory and have someone get in touch with you. All right, cool. So um, one of the things, speaking of Sunshine State RV, it, uh, I'm just going to ask this question. I see there are some questions coming in. So everyone, ask the questions, hit those thumbs up, share this if you can. It's a really good opportunity to talk to PJ. I could make this show probably five hours easily if PJ had the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> but because, you know, just with the knowledge, I always talk. One of the cool things I like about the relationship I have with PJ is that I can just run a whole bunch of crazy questions by him and they get all this uh, data back or even explanations <laughs> of things I don't understand. So I think this is really cool to have this happen and we'll try to do it more. But if people want to buy a mod vans, right, they can't go to Sunshine State RV. You guys have not a yet. very specific way you sell. Not yet. Oh, not yet. What does that mean? Not yet. <laughs> oh, we just haven't, you know, we're not we're not committing to a path right now. You oh, can buy okay. them off <laughs> we sell direct to consumers. So yes, I know you did see Nick from Sunshine State RV at the at the Overland show. Very briefly, uh, yes. Yes, you did very see nice him. Guy. So, what do people do if they want to want to buy a mod vans or just find out more stuff? Well. You you know, the first thing is to do your homework because, mm -hmm. you know, buying any class BRV, but a mod vans uh, is also a significant investment. So, we, you know, we want you to do your homework. We, we feel like that, you know, that's going to uh, show well for us. But, you know, we um, we want you to do your homework first. So that could be involved calling us. That could involve coming to our factory. We do offer uh, the ability to come see demos or meeting us at a show, which is how we met you at Overland Expo East. Mm -hmm. um, we do have shows and we just at an, an events link on our website that'll show you the shows we'll be attending so you could actually meet us and we take three vans to all those shows so you can get a good idea of how the space um, uh, lays out you can call us you can email us with your questions uh, you can get a zoom demo once you've done your homework and you feel like that mod vans is the right uh, you know choice for you 
then you place your order online. So you literally, you know, go to modvans.com, um, you, you know, you click on order now, and then you'll choose your uh, chassis, your, your Ford Transit. We have some chan uh, transits in stock. We're one of the very few uh, people that, that have these awesome all-wheel drive uh, EcoBoost uh, in all the cool gray colors. Mm -hmm. uh, transits available. We actually have them for all models right now. So you can yep. go there and place your order online and then choose all your options. So if you want the big tires, you want the winch, you can choose that. If you don't want it, you can you know delete it or not put it on your van. And you go through that process and at the end of it, you'll, you'll have ordered your van online. I'll give you an analog though. It, it's like ordering a Tesla. You know, you're going to go through that same process. If you come to our factory, that's a great, you know, our salesperson will answer all your questions, give you all the tour. But at the end of the day, he's going to help you place your order on the website. That's, yep, that's, that's how, how you have to do it. Yes. And, and I think yep. you guys are, um, you, you, you do a lot of communication with people because there are some options and, you know, it's going to, yep. that's probably where people questions. are going to. Yeah, lots of questions there. So that's the thing. Now, and, and I know I saw that you guys do have a stash of vans, and that's actually a big deal, right? Because <laughs> these vans are becoming it's more and more and more rare, and you've got them in different colors, like my favorite, Avalanche, the gray. Do you yep, do you still have all that, that going way. on or no? Do you, you um, we have a limited number of MH1 chassis, which is what you know what okay. you, um, you you were most excited about. Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, our class B alternative, you know, it's a high mm -hmm. roof extended length version. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, we, we actually have chassis for all the models right now. And we even have, uh, some transit trails, uh, available for selection on the website. So that's pretty exciting. That's going to be, um, a, a new thing from Ford. They've really decided to double down on the adventure van segment. So they're going to offer, um, the transit with a, a lift kit to give you better clearance for off-road driving bigger tires to give you a uh, more aggressive tread and then also more clearance. Uh, and then a few other, um, uh, off-road, you know, off-grid specific features. And that package is called the transit trail. So they generate a ton of interest. There's almost no, I haven't seen any customers actually taking a delivery of transit trail, but we actually have some on order and we've actually have bins and build dates. And we put a couple of them, uh, online for people to order. They are going to be expensive. There, there's okay. no getting around that. But they're but they're amazing vehicles. They're going to have all the electronics that people want with the 360 camera, um, you know, blindside information system, adaptive cruise control, plus those uh, off-roading features. Yeah, um, and I know Pete has a question out there. I'm going to get to that here in a second. But you brought up the trail, so you you haven't actually gotten any in, but you do have VIN numbers. Yes. And okay. Yes. <laughs> all right so that is a that is a big deal um i you know i there's all these rumors out there i know that ford is going to build them and uh you know i think we're probably going to see them later in the year or something or at least that's what i hear i don't know if you have any i i've heard so we're you know obviously we're kind of stuck on ford so we have our ear to the ground all the time mm -hmm. um i do believe that at the initial customer deliveries are probably happening right now or they'll be happening in june sometime and then, yeah, our build dates are not far off. So, um, okay. you know, we have VIN numbers. Sometimes, you know, you'll get a, a VIN and a build date from Ford and they'll have to push it off. But once you have that VIN number, you know, you're going to, it's not going to be pushed off into the next model year for sure. Um, you know, it, and it's pretty rare actually that they miss widely on the build dates. So, I mean, the trails, okay. new models, you know, all bets are a little bit off. But I would say, you know, having those uh, VIN number and, and build dates from Ford is a really good uh, indication that they will be coming in the next couple months. Yep. 
Um, yes, I, I believe they're going to happen. I know people think they're not going to happen. I believe they're going to mm-hmm. happen. I've seen some evidence of that that I don't know how much I can even really talk about. However, uh, it leads me to believe it's going to happen. Let's get to Pete's question and then come back to the to Trail and Ford and all that since you're Ford-centric. Sure. Uh, Pete's, uh, Pete Hat says, I would love to buy a true B-Van with a t- pop-top but hate the ProMaster chassis. What made you decide to do the pop-top on the Transit and have you had any issues with it thus far? Okay, so I'll break this down into different parts. Um, I mm-hmm. explained in the earlier part of this video why we selected the, the Transit because I believe it's the best van. Um, I originally put the pop-up top because I really wanted to maximize that multi-purpose uh, capability of having a somewhat smaller vehicle. And also I wanted a really great driving vehicle. So I'll explain a little bit. At the time I lived in Berkeley, California, and my idea of adventure was every weekend, I had to work during the week, but every weekend I took off into the mountains. And the mountains were about three hours away, you know, two and a half to three hours away. Sometimes you're sitting in traffic. Often you're in wind because that's how California is. You get into the mountains and the winds there. And so I wanted something that was relatively small, but I still wanted kind of all the features that you'd have in a, in a van with a, a big comfortable bed, uh, a furnace, you know, to keep warm when it's cold, all those things. And I kind of mapped out my brain. The only way to get the features I wanted was to put a pop-up top and have that bed, the, the primary bed to be above the, the living space so that it, you know, if you look at a, a, an adventure van, most of the adventure vans don't have pop-up tops. And then what happens is that bed is in the back, uh, taking up a ton of space. And that actually works if you have the extended length. But as you get into the smaller vans, the 20 foot vans, then all of a sudden you have a van that is mostly a riding bed. And so putting that bed up into the pop-up top uh, just makes sense from an engineering and architectural standpoint. So that was what drove me to select the pop-up top and of course, you know, I thought the the Transit was the best van, so that's why I put a pop-up top on a Transit. Um, mm-hmm. Have we had problems? So uh, we have a, about 150 customers driving our vans all across the U.S. right now. So um, to say that we've never had a problem, that would not be true. We have had problems. I would say um, the problems have been way less than I expected in the beginning, though. We actually have very few problems. Um, uh, some of the problems were growing pains. So for example, um, you know, we had people that we trained on how to do certain things like sealing, uh, the pop-up top so that we didn't get water leaks. And we discovered that the training, uh, you know, wasn't as effective as we had hoped it would. So these are issues, you know, that, that we've, uh, just getting better and better at. And I would say our pop-up tops right now, you know, super quality. Like we, we're just not having uh, very many problems that, that, you know, but we still have, you know, we don't have any uh, vans that, you know, we haven't been able to, to solve whatever challenges came up even from the early days. Yeah. I think um, leaks on pop tops is very common from what I've seen, you know, so that's definitely a, a place that everyone has to pay attention. I've seen it happen even with the big guys, but that's yeah. definitely a thing that could happen. Right. Since we're here, yeah, so I'll give you the nitty-gritty engineering. So actually, mm-hmm. the, the system that we use to seal the pop-up top from leaks is pretty much tried and true. So you can look at a company like Sportsmobile. They've been in business really since the 1960s, putting pop-up tops on vans. Mm-hmm. And there's a sealing system that everybody's kind of, you know, we, we use a very similar sealing system that, that Sportsmobile does, and it works. It, it's effective. I mean, it has its uh, deficiencies or whatever. But then you have the problem of, you know, making sure because uh, these vans are not built by robots, not yet. So making sure that, you know, that it's built, you know, the engineering is correct to begin with. And then over time that the people that are actually doing the work 
or you know doing it in the way that it was originally designed that is good and leaks and so <clears throat> what we kind of discovered is we did we we what actually happened was we had greatly problem with we had no problems with leaks in our first let's say 20 or 30 pop-up tops so we thought we had it down pat and then we hired more people to help us build faster it makes sense and we gave them training and we were like oh, okay this is going to be you know we, we have this system it's been working and then all of a sudden we find you know some of our newest customers are having water leaks and what we you know we did an investigation and what we uncovered was that even though the person had had the training he you know wasn't doing the procedure correctly. So what we did was we kind of went back to the drawing board and we said, okay, we need to improve our training. We need to improve our documentation. Also, we need to uh, stop these leaks immediately by doing water testing on every van. And I've owned tents. I've been a tent camper a long time. And what I discovered as a tent camper was, you know, not all tents come uh, seam sealed from the factory. So, you know, back in when we were kids, Hank, uh, you bought a tent from, you know, your, your local sporting goods store and it didn't have seam seals. And what that means is if it rains, it'll come through the, the holes made by the, the needle when it does the stitching. Mm -hmm. And so they make a seam sealer. And one of the first things you do when you buy a tent back in those days was you'd seam seal it if you plan to be out <laughs> like a rain. caveman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, so anyway, I discovered uh -huh. that, Hey, if I sprinkle my tent with water on a hose, that, and it didn't leak. That was a really good sign that when I got it out in the field, that mm -hmm. it's not going to leak either. Because the hose, you know, if you spray it hard enough, it actually does a really good job of simulating what you're going to encounter in the real world. And mm -hmm. so that's how we test our vans now. So, you know, the first, like I said, 30 or so vans, we actually weren't leak testing. And, you know, people are like, why didn't you leak test in the beginning? And the answer is because you know, we're trying to build a van that's somewhat affordable for the masses, you know, so we do have to pick and choose. We can't exhaustively test everything. So, you know, and as we learn, we're like, okay, well, we made a mistake. We should have been leak testing from the beginning because this is really important. And we learned that training is not perfect. So even though our engineering system is great, training is not perfect. So now uh, we do leak test. And, 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 you know, another one that kind of got us later was, let's say a customer, um, uh, we have one right now, somebody hit an overhead sign, they put a dent in their van, we're going to do some repairs for them. Now we actually leak test after we do repairs because we ran into the same problem. We did a repair for a customer. Uh, customers drive around first rain. It, you know, they get some leaks in there. We learned that even repairs need to be leak tested. So now we have, uh, you know, our QA procedure is new builds and anything that's ever, you know, even looked at out exterior penetration is going to get leak tested again by mod bands before we deliver to the customer. And that combination has served us really, really well as far as leaks go. Yeah, and that's where, you know, that's where experience counts. You have to have experience. And I think just to, to move on from this and go to some other questions out there, the other difference with your pop-top is that it's powered, right? Versus, I don't think I've seen anyone else do a powered pop-top. Or am I wrong on that? Um, yeah, there, there, there's some smaller companies like Mod Vans, um, the Sportsmobile, um, Colorado mm -hmm. Camper Van. They offer okay. power. Um, you know, maybe they have a manual option as well. I think mostly that everybody's gone to the power in, in my world. Okay. Um, we specifically chose power from the beginning for two reasons. One is on the engineering side, it's actually simpler for us than coming up with a, a compensation system like springs that would help somebody, you know, or, or, or air, air cylinders that would help, you know, get the, the top up when a person's not strong enough to lift it by themselves. The other one is we wanted from the very beginning to be able to offer air conditioning and solar panels. And so we want to put those items on the roof. We want to be able to lift cargo. And, you know, being able to lift a hundred pound top plus, you know, a hundred pound air conditioner plus a 50 pound solar system is just not possible for you to, 
most people just can't, you know, push. Oh, okay. a, so the so the air the air conditioner goes up on that pop top, the, or does it, it not on the MH one? So this is oh, okay. where you know we, we have the three models. When we built the MH one, it was extended length, so we were able mm -hmm. to get some extra length on the back and get okay. away from putting the the air conditioner on the pop up top. And that worked out really well in the MH1. Our other two uh, models are too short. They're 20 feet long. And so in order to get an air conditioner, we had to put it on the pop-up top itself. And it actually works really well for that design because those are meant to be more SUV replacements. And then the air conditioner is in the perfect place for, for, for that scenario. Whereas the MH1 is more of a class BRV. The air conditioner is more in the back in the bed where it would tr tr traditionally be. But it's not on the MH1 pop-up top. Okay, very good. All right, let me get this question from Travel Dreamer. He says, what is approximate, uh, what is the approximate build time? Um, so there's two answers to this question. How long does it actually take us to build a van? And part of the answer is it depends on the model. So the MH1s are definitely taking us longer right now. It's a new model for us. So the MH1X is taking us the longest time. Um, our CV1, which is kind of the one that we started with, we can build one of those in about 10 working days. So we can build those pretty quickly. So that's that's kind of the technical answer. The more practical answer is when can I get one? And that answer is best given by our website. So if you actually go through our online ordering process, you'll see it's going to give you a price, which is firm and an estimated delivery date, which is our best estimate right now, based on the combination of what we have in the queue in front of you. And you know, the, the inventory that we have when those are going to be available, and how long it's going to take us to actually build it once we start building your, your van. Okay, so have you, I can't remember exactly how many you guys are building when I came to see you, but have you been able to up how many vans you guys are working on at a time at this new factory? Is that, or how yeah, many so, are you building? So definitely, yeah, so we can definitely build more at a time. Um, we mm -hmm. just moved, so we only moved three months ago. So we, you know, we're, I wouldn't say that we're really, uh, we've hired some new people, but they're still kind of in training mode. So I wouldn't mm -hmm. say our production has significantly increased yet. Uh, we're right on the cusp of that, though. We're right on the cusp of, of kind of stepping up production. Um, but again, going back to, you know, the training issue, we do want to take our time to make sure that we don't rush the, the growth too fast so that we have quality problems down the road. So uh, so it will take us a little while to get to our full production. We're hoping that this new facility will be able to build uh, 15 to 20 vehicles per month. 15 to 20. OK, cool. Mm -hmm. And you guys are going to be there for some time um yeah we haven't decided yet so we're still okay. you know hoping to grow ever faster so you know mm -hmm. if it turns out that we can get to that 10 to 15 within like let's say a year and we're ready to make the next move we, we'll, we'll move again so we're uh you know we're not one of these companies that just you know gets comfortable and you know this is what we're going to do for a while we're like mm -hmm. no we're, we're pushing harder and so as soon as we uh max this one out and we have the funding to get to the next place that will we'll be moving again. One one thing that we have discussed is leaving a service center in California. So, so it could be that this facility stays with us for a long time, but isn't our primary production facility in the future. Oh, okay. Yeah. Speaking of the future, I don't know whether or not you're talking about this. Um, I'm assuming, well, I guess I already know this, but you guys are thinking about expanding, going out of California, you yeah, know, finding yeah, other yeah. places to build. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the cost of living here is just tough for us for for manufacturing. We were we are, you know, in Oxnard, I haven't done a survey in Camarillo, but in Oxnard, we were probably the top paying manufacturer mm -hmm. and it still wasn't enough for our guys to, to afford to own their own home, which is, you know, the American dream. And 
mm-hmm. um, you know, we kind of get that. And, uh, and so, you know, we want everything, we want mod vans to work for our employees as well as for us. So, you know, yeah. that's a, a big factor for us. Yeah. And you guys wouldn't know this unless you're actually looking, but it's one of the things that I observed when I went down to the factory and visited with you guys, you really care about your employees. You, you know, you really care about their well-being. You, you guys, I think, um, do a lot you know, to, to help out the employees. And that's really the core of any business, right? Until, like you said, robots could do everything. You have to have people, you have to have those people feel like it's worth it for them to work for you, you know, and then and you've got to be able to retain them, right? In, in order yeah, for I, them to I mean, I think there's different, different people have different kind of like what their goals are in life. Mm-hmm. My goal in life is not to end up being a rich guy. My mm-hmm. goal in life is to end up being surrounded by you know, family and friends and, you know, enjoy the company of the people around me. And that means that, you know, if I work that backwards from there, you know, when I build a company, it has to be a company that every, everybody, everybody there is excited to be there. They want to come to work. They can see how they're, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they're either happy with their position or they can see how they can grow with the company. So, yeah, we really want it to be a a fun and exciting place for, for everybody to work. And we, and we work hard on that. You know, we have, um, we just made some changes in the production floor and, you know, right now we're, we're literally asking the employees, you know, what do you think about these changes? You know, can you please let us know if, you know, you feel bored or, you know, you feel like that this isn't a good use of your talent so that we can, you know, adjust and, and try to accommodate, you know, obviously, um, you know, it's, a, it, there is a compromise. We still have to work every day and we have to work pretty hard, yeah. but, you know, but at the same time, we want it to be like I said, a fun, exciting place where, where everybody can, uh, you know, uh, one of the big choices we have is, you know, do we promote from within or do we, you know, hire these external managers when it's time to, to open up the thing. And I have consciously uh, chosen uh, over and over again to promote from within because we want ModVans to be a place where people see opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we got a couple of seconds here. We're going to go to the next segment and we've got some questions and things like that we'll get to right after this. Lola and I are now official brand ambassadors for Coachman Class B. So I wanted to take a moment to tell you guys why we, as Vanasaurs, like it says on our t-shirt, are very excited about our partnership with Coachman Class B. First off, Coachman RVs has been a leader to the great outdoors since 1964. So next is the fact that Coachman really cares about you as an owner, whether you bought new or used, after you buy your van, they really take care of you. With Coachman Class B, you have all the options. Coachman builds on all three van platforms. On the Mercedes Sprinter, it's the Coachman Galleria. The Ford Transit, it's the Coachman Beyond. And Ram Pro Master, it's the Coachman Nova. Lastly, best value for money. We've had our van for two years, and Coachman builds to the highest standards of quality and craftsmanship. You can't go wrong with a Coachman Class B. So if you're interested, check out the link in our description and find the Coachman van that's best for you. All right, we are back. Um, Pete said a couple of things. One, to answer the the uh, question about um, availability, he did look at the website. He says it's showing mid-October. So there you go. That's not really too bad. And um, another question. Well, here's what I wanted to say before we even get to this. If you if you're looking to buy something, a lot of times people buy the the person behind that product 
more than the thing, right? Product is important because it's got some function or some reason why you want to have it. But the people who are selling it to you mean something. And I always say, well, look at how they treat the customers, right? That's really important. How does that company deal with people after they buy something from them? And then I think another thing to look at is how they treat the folks who build these things, you know, the people who work for them. So um, that's that's another that's another good thing. That's one of the things that I like about you guys. I don't think you're just saying what you just said. I think you really believe that, you know, um, you really and I've, I saw that. I, I think you care about the folks who work for you. And, um, you know, that's that's a big deal. So, go ahead. And, and you know, one thing that has worked out for us in this social you know, media world or whatever is mm -hmm. we actually have an owner's group. It's a Facebook slash group slash mod vans. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can actually anybody on this podcast, listen to this, you can actually pull up that Facebook group. You might have to, you know, beg your grandfather for a, a, a login <laughs> to Facebook. Facebook. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't log to Facebook, but yeah, okay. That's fine. Yeah. Just, you know, get yeah. on there, give them a fake mm -hmm. email address, whatever you gotta do. But you can mm -hmm. see what our customers are saying about our vehicles and about how we support uh, them, you know, with their own words, you know, and I, I do feel like I, you know, that we represent ourselves very well. Um, uh, particularly, you know, if you kind of pull up those same groups for other manufacturers and, and I do, I, I belong to all the groups. And, you know, one of the reasons I belong to those groups is to learn from their experience in building RVs and the kind of challenges they have to try to not repeat those mistakes. And then also customer service, you know, what are frustrating those people and how can we solve that? Um, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Pete had this follow-up question. He says, how does someone uh, get warranty or support that doesn't live in California? I live in Florida, and I've been considering your MH1 and a coachman beyond just uh, worried about not having access to a service facility. So that's that's a question from Pete. Yes. Good question. So, so this is something that um, uh, we tackle a couple different ways. So, so first of all, um, one thing to understand is that when people come to take delivery from us, we understand that many times their first uh, usage of our van is going to be a vacation when they drive their van home. And it could be all the way to Florida from California. So we're kind of, you know, we're, we're prepared. We are proactive about that. You don't need, well, I'm not going to say this, but, you know, I see in a lot of groups where people have these massive lists of things to double check for before they drive off from their RV dealership purchase because, you know, there's a lot defects that are sitting right there on the dealer lot we're going to do that inspection for you and you know we have a big long checklist um so so that experience is quite a bit different uh, from what i read in the groups about how we deliver a van we expect you to to drive this you know on a vacation straight at home and we build it that way and we deliver it to you that way um so secondly um, we have a one-year warranty um you know if you actually look at the wording of our warranty technically uh it it requires you to bring the vehicle back to our service center in California, to our factory, but that's actually not what happens in practice. What happens in practice is that um, we are willing to let you take your RV to any RV dealer. So I, I heard actually in your uh, uh, your commercials over and over again that Sunshine State will treat you know any RV owner just like as if they had bought the RV uh, at Sunshine State. And I think that's an amazing thing in today's world because there's so many people especially out here on the west coast are like you didn't buy buy your rv here you, you know you're not going to get a service appointment the good news it does, is it happens it happens i've, I've seen it yeah, happen the good news places. is because of our flexibility we're not going to necessarily require you to take your van 
to even an RV dealer. You could take it to an RV repair center. And then what we'll do is we'll work with you to uh, pre-authorize uh, any inspections and repairs uh, and, and to reimburse you if, if that's what happens for, for the repairs. We'll send out parts. And again, you know, for people that have uh, concerns about this, what they can do is they can get on our Facebook owners and ask real owners. We have owners all over the country. We have owners in Florida and ask them about their experience with, you know, what happened when they did need to have some service done in Florida and, and see, see how it works. Um, after the one year's up, we're still going to support uh, whoever it is, because what happens is actually interestingly, you know, now that I've been doing this for five years, I learned that not every everybody keeps their mod vans vehicle forever. Um, right. uh, you know, sometimes they <laughs> will support the next customer down the line, you know, the mm -hmm. same way that we support the original owner. Um, also, mod vans qualify for extended warranties. Um, now that the pandemic has kind of relieved some of the pressure from RV dealers and repair centers, uh, I think that's a, a, a new option that's come up. And you can actually get one of those extended warranties for out to seven years um, on both the, the chassis, the Ford Transit, and the conversion, which is the part that we build. So, so that's an option for people who, you know, want to have control over how much, you know, repair could potentially cost. And those are nationwide, those warranties. And then the last piece of the puzzle is that the Ford Transit itself, um, still covers, you know, the original uh, factory warranty. That's the thing that's probably going to be most likely to be expensive and difficult to repair. Um, we do encourage customers to, to get even the extended warranties from Ford on their uh, Ford Transit chassis so that if their engine blows up at 100,000 miles, that it could be uh, covered by that warranty. Um, uh, because the, the the Ford factory warranties are pretty affordable. So if you don't get like, let's say a, a seven year uh, warranty that includes the, the um, chassis itself, that go ahead and get that Ford factory warranty. Those Ford uh, warranty is you can take it to almost any dealership. So that's one big advantage. You know, we didn't talk about this with the mm -hmm. Ford chassis. Um, Ford dealers are used to working on trucks. They're used to working on vans. You can go to three or 4,000 Ford dealers all over the US, all over Canada on the way to Alaska, many dealerships in Alaska that can all uh, work on your uh, Ford Transit van. Yeah, so it's, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of people that realize this, but obviously, if if you're getting a Class B van, you've got two things going on. The chassis, which mm -hmm. in this case comes from Ford, or it could come from Mercedes or Ram, and then you have that yeah. actual coach build, which some people call it. I don't know what you guys call it, but... Um, you know, we call it actual, conversion. Mm -hmm. The conversion, so the conversion side of your build. And yeah, I would agree. So I've spoken to folks who... Um, you know who are dealing with mercedes and the sprinter vans and they have to go on waiting lists for like six months to get an oil change for example or, yeah there's certain areas of the country that are very challenging for mercedes service yes now when it comes to ford can you run into issues yes you know i live right outside of gainesville and my local gainesville dealership if you call them up right now they'll say it's a two-week wait and, and they actually <laughs> want that van over there for two weeks sitting there, which doesn't make any sense to me. But I live I live outside of Gainesville and uh, closer, well, actually, I think it's like the same distance. But in the countryside, there's a Ford dealership that if I called them up right now, they would probably tell me, okay, come in tomorrow at 10 o'clock in the <laughs> yeah, morning. Yeah. So and, and that's how it is. We have, I mean, we had, uh, you know, dealers that mm -hmm. told people, oh, we can't work on your whatever. And then they literally called the next dealership over and they were mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, bring it in. We love, we love off-roading in our, in our Ford vehicles. Yeah. We'll and I think, and I think like I've traveled a lot and there's only one time I came across a Ford dealership that had like a bad thing. 
Um, <laughs> and it was actually when I was in California. And I asked you about it, and you're like, oh, we don't like those guys either. So, you know, that all of that could happen. <laughs> but with Ford, there's just a big network out there for now, yeah. I think. <laughs> Ten, 10 miles away, there's another dealership to choose from. Yes, uh, and I think that's for now. I know that with the electric vehicles and things like that coming in, there are these big OEMs that are planning on, on cutting back on dealerships, etc. But I think for a long time, we're still going to see a lot of Ford dealerships out there. The one I go to in the country is really great. I would say to people, 100% on that chassis, you want to extend that warranty. I've owned my van for two years probably a little bit over two years and I'm probably at 53,000 miles already. So way past yeah, so the factory you, warranty. You know, just shop out that warranty like crazy. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you're not a my advanced customer, if you're my advanced customer, we'll mm -hmm. help you. But, uh, mm -hmm. but you know, uh, the um, yeah. shop out like crazy, you can get mm -hmm. really good. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't want to quote prices here, but to me, like the, the, the price for getting like a hundred, thousand uh, mile warranty you know extending the powertrain warranty out to a hundred thousand mile with a ford you know genuine ford warranty was was very approachable like yeah like, and it's worth it yeah. you've just got a lot of computers in these things you know if you have all-wheel drive there's extra stuff that could yep. go wrong and so and I, I think you, it's worth and it. you have an expensive coach you know that was built on top of it so mm -hmm. the the choice is different you know we all know about the you know vehicle that has four hundred thousand miles on it and the transmission goes and you're like mm -hmm. ah, that's it we're cutting it off but what if you have, you know, a van that has 80,000, 90,000 miles on it and the engine goes out, you know, I mean, you know, and maybe no fault yeah. of anybody, right? Yeah. You're, because it was such a significant investment up front, you're very likely that you're going to have to, you know, it's going to make financial sense. But now all of a sudden you're talking about a $20,000, you know, motor mm -hmm. and turbo uh, with these modern engines. They are very expensive. And that's where I think the warranty he really starts to make sense. It's like, okay, you, you don't have to make that ch hard choice. You're like, okay, well, you know, I'll pay the deductible on the warranty or however that works. Yeah, it's going to be worth it. That's my that's my impression. And um, and I know, I think we've got another question from Pete, but I, I would just say on this, um, and I could probably talk about this more in the future if we, if, um, we have the time. I don't know if PJ will want to talk about it, but I really feel the tea leaves are telling me, PJ, that even Ford with the Transit, which is the the most popular van in the world okay mm -hmm. they yep. don't want to build them <laughs> they want to go electric right they would rather have their commercial feet go uh fleet go electric i just recently was looking at an interview with the ford ceo and he said a lot of things like this they just want to go electric with it so especially commercial which these vans fall into commercial so you want to think about this if you want to have an actual engine you know, and you're getting into this, you probably want to think about this more long term. And it is getting more and more difficult. When I talk to other manufacturers out there, they tell me that they're having a tougher time getting their hands on specifically the Fords, but it's even happening with the other chassis that um, that you have out there. So I don't know. Honestly, if to... I, I think a lot of that is related to supply chain issues and mm -hmm. the kind of you know what, what happened throughout the whole world. And it's not just vans, it's everything is that, mm -hmm. um, you know, certain items became very limited supply and you know consumers rushed in and the, the demand has just been way overwhelming the supply and we haven't worked our way out of that yet so okay. i think you know in in 2023 maybe things will return to normal in ford transit land i i don't even know you know I, i'm hoping 2023 will kind of be the normal times but right. you know you can't just you, just to give you roll it backwards when we launched the business in 2018 2019 
I could just go to Ford and order a van and it would show up in 10 to 20 weeks. I mean, just, there wasn't a question, you know, you'd had to have allocations, and all, but you could get vans. Whereas mm -hmm. now it's a, it's a totally different level, but it's not because they aren't running the factories. It's because they can't get all the components that they need um, to, to build those vans. So, I mean, I do hear what you're saying about, you know, the direction from a high to kind of favor electric, mm -hmm. but I don't really think that's what's causing the limit. I think it's still a hangover. We'll call it a hangover from the supply chain, you know, there, I call it a bubble. There was a, a bubble of missing pieces that is still here with us, you know, where that bubble, uh, you know, started during the pandemic. It arrived, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, and now it's still here. It's just a lack of inventory of certain critical pieces. And eventually we'll build our way out of it. You know, they're building more chips and all these other things, but, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, okay, there you go. Um, we could probably do a whole podcast on this discussion, me and you. Yeah, supply yeah. chain stuff for sure. <laughs> um, uh, Pete's, Pete says he has one last question. There are no limits to the questions here. You can ask as well, except <laughs> until we go off air. But uh, you can ask as many questions as you want. This is why I'm doing it. Um, and I know, Pete, you're very obviously interested. So he says, one last question. What's the typical CCC on your MH1 build out? Uh, I'm not sure what CCC means. Is, does that have to do with I don't know what CCC is. Oh, okay. I'm I'm not sure about that either. Is that the weight? Is that like maybe you know how heavy the? Oh uh, yeah, cargo. Yeah, occupant yeah. cargo carrying capacity. Oh, okay. Um, so we're okay. definitely gonna want to yeah build out on the 350 chassis for the full battery. It's gonna be I think it winds up being about a thousand pounds. So my the van that I'm sitting in right now, I think the um the final weight was 8,400 pounds, and the uh the you know the the gross uh vehicle weight rating was 96 i want to say so it was a little over a thousand pounds for this particular vehicle mm -hmm. but then if you get the full battery it's going to add that extra 200 pounds in it's going to be closer to about a thousand pounds okay so you so what is that that thousand pounds that you have is what how much extra weight you could put in or yeah, so that's your okay. they call it occupant and cargo carrying capacity it's interesting mm -hmm. because it's very specific i mean you know there's ford saying this is what's allowed Mm -hmm. um, and then there, there's items that have to be taken into account that can't be taken into account. And I'm just going to give an example. Mm -hmm. um, when you do the weight, like the 8,400 pounds, it does include a full gas tank. Mm -hmm. uh, that's required by the federal regulations, but it doesn't include water in the, in, in the freshwater tanks. Yeah. With the idea that you could potentially fill up your water tank somewhere else if you want to save that weight for cargo. Yeah, and all of this is for safety, right? Because the manufacturer has to make sure it goes out with a certain uh, capacity for extra weight. So that, and then you, as the consumer buying it, need to be aware of that so that you don't overload the vehicle. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And you know, there's what the it's designed for. And then I think my personal guess is that in the transit, they're also always making sure that it's not too heavy duty because it might take away from F-150 sales. Okay. <laughs> I could be wrong uh, about that. Yeah. A strong yeah, all of that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm trying to avoid getting into deeper things here with that. But yeah, I think that's a good point you're making. Uh, Bravo Hearing Aid Service says, are the chassis warranty extensions available on vans already made by the big players? So this I do know the answer to. It really is going to depend by, um, you know, uh, vendor by vendor and van mm -hmm. by van. On the Ford, um, generally you can get it, um, the extended chassis warranties um, until the original factory warranty expires. So for example, um, the uh, Ford Transit comes with right now, I think a 36,000 uh, mile three-year warranty, uh, a bumper to bumper. And I know for sure you can get 
like on a mod bands vehicle you can get that uh, warranty you can add it anytime during that i think you can actually add it until the powertrain warranty expires that's six years sixty thousand miles i think don't quote me on that um so you have some time to decide if you want to do it and then also uh those warranties are usually transferable the ford warranties are now if you go aftermarket third party and get a warranty from somebody else all bets are off you know it could be something yeah. different but generally the ford ones you can buy later um, and then I'm going to guess that, you know, that the other, you know, like Sprinter and ProMaster have competitive offerings, but you have to look at the really specific details of what the coverage is and what the rules are uh, that, you know, the insurance companies, that's what they're doing. They're, they're setting down those rules so they can make money. And it's up to you to kind of review those rules and make sure that, you know, your purchase uh, fits your needs. Yeah. Yeah. Read the fine print and always, if you can, the Ford one will be better. Um, so let's see. I think so, just because yeah, yeah, you're you're definitely you know they they tend to um, are willing to buy new parts rather than you know bring in. It's just a little bit more straightforward if you get the Ford factory warranty. Yeah, and, and it's easier process too because you would like some of the other ones you have to go. It's like this whole dance. You've got to pay for the yeah. thing, and then and if you don't follow the rules, they don't pay. That's the number one reason <laughs> they don't pay is because you're pre-authorized. Yes, yep. and that will be very frustrating. Gunmetal guy has a good um, question. I think we've got a certain amount of time here to answer it he says has anyone um, had a deep dive discussion or video on the practical feasibility of the charging network capability to sustain all the rv vans if they go electric going forward so that's an electric so this question is, yeah. yeah yeah this is actually a really big complicated question that you right. know, we could do a lot of analysis but what you know mm -hmm. my my kind of main thing is if you've owned an ev which hank mm -hmm. you have Mm -hmm. say yes or no to this most yeah. of your charging is done at home on level two chargers and just to give you an idea a level two charger pulls about the same power as a large window unit large window ac unit mm -hmm. so you know people that are panicking about you know the the load on the grid from electric vehicles i think aren't really uh, taking into account the most common charging scenario for most of us is that we're charging at home on level two chargers so yeah i mean definitely there needs to be more infrastructure out there uh, to truly handle electric camper vans but i i don't think that the grid's going to have a problem this is my kind of analysis based on engineering principles yeah and in in the time that we have and i may have to bring this over into the wrap-up section in the time that we have i think it has to do with that particular location where people are some locations people charge more um at superchargers than at home so there's all that kind of stuff going on i agree that for your most of your traffic you're charging at home but when, relative to vans you're going to be traveling so you're yeah. going to be charging on that uh, supercharger network and i have an electric van and i've owned a bunch of things yesterday um i was actually i picked up my electric van from seasucker that they had it because it was in their booth at the overland expo and on the way back electrify america that i stopped at there was several of those things that weren't working versus Lola was driving a Tesla and she was totally fine. <laughs> and the van yeah, has like a 115 mile range. So that makes it kind of worse. Thank goodness Ford signed up with Tesla. That's what I say. <laughs> yes, it is a good thing that they did that. Um, you know, Unbelievable. Yeah, I'm, yes. I'm shocked, but. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think Ford is thinking forward here. I think Ford is very serious about shifting into electric, um, electric yeah. vehicles for big segments like commercial, like I said, and I think you can't do it. You can't be practical about doing it unless you make some agreements with existing stuff. We're going to take a quick break. There is another question in this vein. I'm going to ask that when we come back from this.
Uh, oh, actually, we didn't even we didn't even go anywhere. So I can ask the question right now. Uh, John John <laughs> says um, uh, there has been a problem with lithium and water being dangerously explosive. What has ModBands done to mitigate this problem? So there you go. So all of the cells that we use in our batteries are UL listed, mm -hmm. so they're tested uh, mm -hmm. exhaustively to uh, to meet all these uh, kinds of things. Mm -hmm. um, I actually don't even know uh, if the water and the you know, if you were to puncture a cell and try to stuff it, you know, full of water, mm -hmm. would happen. I do know that we have done thermal runaway testing so that, um, uh, you know, if one cell is punctured, if one cell catches on fire, it's not going to cause what they call thermal runaway event where the other cells around it will catch on fire. So we have done some, some testing like that. Um, and then, you know, like I said, the cells themselves are designed to, to withstand water. So, so, so this isn't a, a major issue. I will say, um, just in general, anytime you have a high concentration of power, whether that's gasoline, batteries, you know, anything, you know, you concentrate a lot of power in one space. Yeah, you have to, there have to be precautions and there is yep. a, a higher risk than if you're in a place where there's not a high concentration of yeah. power. Like Washington, DC. I don't, I'm not trying to get, I'm not trying to create trouble. Yeah, there's a lot of power there. And uh, Just Castro says transit trail on MH1 question. Yes, you can order those today on our website. Yep. There you go. Listen, I, it, it it's, you know, I was talking to PJ about this. It would be so easy for me and PJ to have a really long extended conversation here. I think an hour is probably a good time because we got to a lot of stuff, but I guarantee you that there's questions that folks have out there. So I would say check out my videos because I've, I've got some very long videos with mod vans. Uh, I do have a factory tour coming and there's several more videos coming from Lola and I actually borrowing your van and living with it for a few days. You can also get in touch with these guys. We're going to get into all of that, but great questions from everyone out there. PJ, uh, where would you direct people? I know you kind of answered this already, but as we're wrapping up here for the folks out there who have probably a ton more questions, um, how would they go about getting their, their questions answered, especially if they're interested in buying? A mod van. Sure. So. Um, I would say, you know, the number one resource is going to be our website. Um, we did actually mm -hmm. just publish an update to it. Um, within the website, you're going to find like our news link, um, you know, every article that we've published about all the fun and exciting technology and design mm -hmm. innovations that we've done. We, we're kind of chronological chronologic you know we have uh, articles linked for for you know the history of all of mod vans so you can just get there on the website uh if you want to experience um owners uh experiences check out our facebook group it's facebook slash group slash mod vans pretty easy to find just type mod vans mm -hmm. into there um you can check out our facebook page that's going to be kind of redundant i think with the with the website information there and then we have a youtube channel and uh, one of the things we've done on the YouTube channel, which is you kind of got to dig for it. So this is worth talking about is we've curated some playlists. So you have to go and find the playlist feature on the YouTube. But if you go through that effort of finding our YouTube channel and then find the playlist, what you'll find is you'll find the, the great videos that um, Hank and Lola have done with us. Um, they're actually linked right there on the playlist because uh, we love those videos and we want to try to get those out to our fans and we know not everybody's going to click on every news article. So mm -hmm. check out our YouTube channel and, and really, uh, if you want to get in depth, maybe check out the, the playlist, not just the, the list of videos you see on the front page, which is our videos, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and 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 uh, you know you can always leave questions and things like that in comments here, and PJ will probably look at some of those. Um, so we're gonna wrap it. There's one more. Do you want to take one more quick question? Do you want to? You want it's up to you guys. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I could do it. Uh, JD mm -hmm. says, any advantage to under chassis mini split uh, be installed versus a 12 volt? On the roof, on the rooftop. First, this is a great AC, technical question. I own, yeah. I own a whole collection of mini split air conditioners. <laughs> I don't think I'm ready to sell them, but but I have really experimented with this idea mm -hmm. quite a lot. And mm -hmm. my conclusion at this moment is mm -hmm. that uh, it's not worth it for a camper van. It's just too much work, too much fiddling around. You end up with the cold air blowing from underneath instead of on top, which you want. And a rooftop AC is just a, such a simple and easy to service item. You know, when it breaks, you know, we just pop a couple wires, we pull, lift it out, we pop it back in. Um, if you have a problem with one of these split units that's installed and all throughout the van, it's just mm -hmm. a nightmare to service. Um, I do have some great ideas about how to tackle air conditioning, but those are going to have to wait because I, I believe I'm going to have to build my own air conditioner. So that, that's coming. <laughs> yes. I have ideas for that. But yeah, as far as yeah. what's on the market right now, I, I just, you know, I know people want it. I know they want that kind of lower profile, uh, mm -hmm. not having the rooftop AC, but it's just, you know, it, it's not worth it. We actually had one customer actually pay somebody. They took their mod vans vehicle. They paid them to put in a split unit under the kitchen cabinet underneath. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of problems with it. And in the end, it didn't keep their van cool. And so they actually paid us to install a rooftop AC wow. after the fact because okay. it didn't work for them. So. That's yeah. my experience with it. Make yeah, that's it. good. That's good info. And just think about this quickly to go back to a question someone asked with get, us getting service. Let's say you live in Florida and you are in Utah and you need a new AC. It, it better be one that could be yeah. found really you show fast. Show up at Camping World and guess what? They sell the, <laughs> and they, yeah. they can get the domestic and they, they and they yeah. could actually accomplish the, the um, yeah the yeah. Absolutely. All right. Listen, I'm going to wrap this up. Thanks so much, PJ. I really, uh, it, you know, I really appreciate you coming on, taking the time uh, to come on. Yeah, I would. Oh, you're you're absolutely welcome. I would encourage people out there to find out where Mod Vans is going to be and get out to those shows that are near you. Uh, Overland East is coming up towards the end of this year. I think it's in October. And uh, if you're on the east, if you're on the East Coast, let's say you're in Florida, it's a couple of hours to get there versus the other places but find out where they are and go there uh, PJ and everyone else that works at Mod Vans that shows up uh, at these events are very knowledgeable and they'll be happy to talk to you they're nerds that's what I love about them so um, check them out yeah Mod Vans makes w what I think is a really really cool van if you're looking for something um, different out there so uh, <laughs> Gunmetal Guy has more questions which is the next uh -oh. mo Mod Vans chat for more questions when's the next when's the next Mod Vans we'll work it out and I'll let you guys know probably a little bit more in advance so that you can uh, come on and ask all those questions thanks a lot pj stay right there i'm gonna end this right now thanks so much guys we really appreciate you we'll see you next week i think on thursday at two o'clock eastern time and we'll do this again with another company we are out of here peace all right hank thank you <laughs>